0: Welcome to another episode of The Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Mohanad is here. Yellow. Roche is here. No. And Bernie's here. Yes. All right. We've started the last, uh, the last, I don't care how any of you are. We've started the last probably five or six pods. Basically, all the pods since lockdown, we started with, hey, United guys, you must be happy. You won
1: again. Not this week. Mohamed, what happened? I think up happened, baby. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer decided that his squad isn't deep enough that he has to rotate. And then what happened is they got decked by Chelsea. Three weeks. <laughs> so, you know, we've got an $80 million McGuire at the back who's running circles around himself. Uh, I saw this amazing tweet They were like Maguire's playing football Like he was just flashbang <laughs> Oh my god oh, yeah. no. Gea, I'm not even like, impressed I'm not even impressed At these uh, levels I wasn't, of banter uh, I wasn't trying to Oh okay um, And De Gea What spaghetti Wrists what, What's what goal Even the first goal Like I know we focus On the second goal But I thought even the first No no
2: no no We focus on all of them All of them <laughs> oh, no. okay. He was bad on all three We focus on all of them so tell us yeah. what
1: happened this game. I mean, I know you got started with a bit of a weaker lineup, but it wasn't that
2: weak, was it? Um, it, I mean, we played Fred, we rested Martial, rested Pogba, uh, shifted the formation. So it was a it was a rejig team for sure. I told Mohamed the day before that we're gonna we don't care. Like <laughs> I literally told him, we're gonna change the squad and we don't care. And Mohamed was all civilized. Now he's gonna banter me, which is fine. This is how football works. <laughs>
1: But Daniel but, Daniel James like wasn't he didn't he start on fire and now like every united fan on twitter hates him like what mate,
2: you're there? talking about like actually 9 months ago like do you know how long ago that was he it scored one like he goal he really
1: well yeah he, he scored
2: one goal since september he scored 3 in his first four and then one goal since september which was against Lask Linz. <laughs> like we're not here to talk about daniel james he was completely horrible in this game like i mean the whole team was horrible but they made a decision to rotate and, and uh, prioritize the league, but they were even worse than I thought they would be, to be honest. I thought they would lose, but they, were, they lost worse than possible. But can, can yeah. we
0: talk about, like, I, I know there were, there were rotations uh, in the lineup, but Solskjaer also switched his system, went three or five at the back, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, and I'm going to very much look at it as five at the back because the wing backs here are Juan Bissaka and Brennan Williams, which gives you... Zero attacking output, pretty much, right? Like, wouldn't it have been better to have wan Bissaka as one of the center backs? And I don't know who uh, went back, like Daniel. But he, you, also, you, also
1: have, you also have Matic and Fred in the sitting, too. So you've got pretty much seven defenders. The, you know, you've got Nemani, Matic, and Fred joining those 5 2 because they're not going anywhere up top. So you've only got Bruno Fernandes, Rashford. And then you've got a really out-of-form Daniel James. just three of them trying to beat down Chelsea on their own. Like, it wasn't, it just didn't seem to make sense.
3: Guys, I have to chime in at this point and say, I mean, yeah, it was a 3-1 scoreline. The Chelsea goals are mostly United mistakes. I mean, one was their own goal and two De Gea howlers. United, I mean, we, we had a weaker lineup, you can argue, yes. We also had two days less of rest than Chelsea did. We had a concussion to one of our centre-backs. And then our other centre-back, you know, arguably (laughs) also playing with a concussion. He had his head completely wrapped up. And um, I really think everyone was just fatigued because they couldn't put a few passes together and attack. Um, And, you know, Chelsea, you know, to to their credit, they played, they executed their game plan perfectly. And they didn't have to do much work after uh, getting gifted three goals.
2: Can I I just add to the – I don't really care about the two days rest. I think they should show up and play regardless. I wanted even more change than this because I'm an FA Cup guy, but this is the one time I would say that the actual future of the club potentially is on the line. You make top four, signings will come. If you don't, they won't come in this particular instance. This is not the Man United that could get Tony Cruz uh, interested in coming, but then LVG said no. Like, like, this is not that United. Like, this is not the United that could get Pogba's Latan in the Europa League. That's not going to happen after this. So it was a turning point. But, I mean, David De Gea, Maguire played very badly. Like, he looked like he was drunk. He played very badly. De Gea played, in my opinion, he's had very bad games. This was the single worst game I've ever seen from him. So there were a bunch of calamities. But, sure, no rest. But it was just woeful. Like, there's no excuse for it. It was just garbage.
0: It really was. And it was, met, it was met by one of the best Chelsea performances in recent weeks. Like they've, they've been up and down lately, especially with their defending. Um, but United really didn't give them much to worry about here. And going forward, they looked really good. I mean, Mohamed, Olivier Giroud, uh, while at Arsenal, obviously a mixed time. Like a fairly reliable 15 to 20 goal a season striker, but was also infuriating. That said, that
1: near post finish, like that's his goal. There's no one better at that goal. Yeah, no, he pretty much coined that finish where he runs ahead of the striker to the front post and then just almost lets the ball curl off his foot. He barely kicks it in, and, and he's done that a lot where he just almost stretches for the ball and just puts his foot in a position where he knows the ball's going to hit it. And it kind of curls off his ankle, at the top of his ankle, and it goes in. It's, it's a beautiful finish that he's kind of made work for him. And, and, and yeah, that, that is his thing. And he, he's, he's a really smart striker when it comes to just sitting in the box and waiting for things to happen. And William has been really good for him in that sense. Even Pulisic recently, and I know he wasn't playing this game, but um, William has been really good for Giroud in, in, the, in the way that William wants to play. Um, William will drive to the byline, he'll cut back, and he'll give, uh, give Giroud these chances. And I think he's been, together, they've been a really good partnership. Um, and he's been outperforming Tammy Abraham, and, and you know I think a couple of games back, Tammy Abraham was woeful. The game Chelsea lost, and you know Giroud is, is now their, their stri- starting striker, and obviously Timo Werner is going to come in next season. We'll see what that means for you know Giroud and Tammy Abraham. I doubt they're going to have all three at the same time. I mean I don't know if if anyone's you know Tammy Abraham's going to go on loan or if Giroud's going to get sold or whatever's going to happen. But you know Giroud has done really well at this time is Chelsea, I think, as good as we, can, we could have
2: imagined. I just want to add to your Giroud point, just, just quickly. So, in the beginning of this game, before the goal, the first half, nothing really happened in the half, and Giroud was up against Maguire, and Maguire and Giroud, there was this battle, they were wrestling each other, there was a lot of, you know, head, like, aerial duels, and Giroux, Maguire was doing pretty well up until that point, but this is how smart Giroud is, and I really like Giroud, as Mo said, for that goal, it wasn't Maguire, it was Lindelof. And you know how sometimes, like you'll hear in the um, uh, halftime commentary, oh, they should pick pick on the weaker one, you know, and then and like, oh, when I was a striker, I used to pick on the, the smaller guy or whatever. And he just and he literally did that. You could tell that for the ten minutes leading up to that, his runs were all on Lindelof's side. He literally decided to target him, and that's a sm- what a smart striker does. And honestly, like that, that that just stuck out to me that that's intelligence, and, and or, has a lot of it.
1: Or it's what a smart manager tells his striker to do
2: he <laughs> little boost for frankly potentially. Potentially. <laughs> potentially yeah he had to get one out of four against Solskjaer. He have to get one so props to you oh yeah true there
1: was that record day eh, of Solskjaer just getting it over chelsea you played
2: with each other four times and you've lost three you get one that's fine
1: that, that, right. that or uh, has been listening to
0: the Peter Crouch podcast where he has mentioned numerous times that he would just either pull on the
2: weaker center back or just find the fullback,
3: the little fullback, <laughs> <laughs> really stand next to him. So that's where Mohamed just got his analysis from, or was it? No, very... that,
2: that was my analysis, and I, oh, I, I wow, haven't good. listened to the podcast except for the first one, so
3: Crouchy. <laughs> <laughs> um, um,
0: we, we, we spoke very briefly there about what Chelsea's attack is going to look like next season, and I just want to get your, your opinions on it. So Werner's coming in, Ziyech is already there, um, and it looks today, it has been reported that they are very, very close to actually pulling off the signing of Kai Havertz, which is nuts. Um, so the Havertz, he's a 10, basically. That relegates Mason Mount, you would think. Uh, Ross Barkley can, can never see a football pitch again, for all anyone cares. So then you've got Pulisic, if he starts, starts on the left. Then you've got Werner, who can play left or up front. Tammy Abraham, Giroud. Uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi can play either wing. I mean, what, the starting Zeech. four, Ziyech is definitely going to start on the right, you would think. So the starting four, you would think Ziyech, Havertz, Pulisic, Werner?
1: Yeah, I think that's the four. That's, I mean, that's intense, man. That's a pretty good four. I mean, yeah. I mean, even behind them, Kovacic, if he keeps up his form, he's been playing really well for Chelsea. Kovacic can keep it up. And I think if somehow they can get Kante back in form, you get Kante, Kovacic, Havertz, that's not a bad three at all, especially with how, like, you've seen it even in this game. Kovacic can just, he's one of the best, I think, even stats-wise, he's one of the best ball advancers from midfield, like to dribble with the ball from deep and to advance it in the league. He's very good at that. He's a great box-to-box player. If you put Kante next to him, uh, because I don't really trust Jorginho to do that role. Um, but if Kante can get some form back with Kovacic and Havertz, I think that's a brilliant middle three with Ziyech, um, Pulisic, and Werner. That's, that's pretty... But on
2: that, on that attack, does that mean... Because you said Z H right, Pulisic left, Havertz 10, Werner up front? Is that, is yeah. that what you said? I, so I'm, thinking,
0: be- I'm thinking that unless, unless Werner and Pulisic rotate on the left.
2: Which I don't see. I, I, I think Pielsich form means he should start too. He, I mean, you don't know what you're going to get from Werner. But I, I assume, like, kind of like you said, Werner starts up top, which means Tammy is the sub and Giroud goes.
0: You would think, except that Giroud just signed an extra year. And he's in great form. Why would you let him leave now? But equally... Tammy Abraham <coughs> spent most of the season on fire, did really well. Lampard likes him. So it's a tricky situation for Lampard to manage.
1: Yeah, hmm. I, I think just from the Aids profile, you would keep Tammy and you oh, yeah. would go. Yeah. Which yeah, is... kind of <coughs> Sorry, Mohamed, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. That, that, that was just the point, really.
3: Oh, I was just going to add a very colourful point about how Chelsea are a yo-yo club in their own way. You know, one, one season they win the league, then they finish 10th. Then they win the league. Then they finish 10th. And then they do some great signings. And, uh, you know, that's where they are this season. This season is, a, you know, Lampard's first season. And he's going to finish in the top four, presumably. And next season, they're going to be great again and challenge for the title, I, I presume, with all these signings.
2: Yeah. There's an interesting scenario. I don't remember what, it, what would have to happen, but United, Leicester, and Chelsea can finish on the same amount of points. And someone drew it up. And it's actually not that far-fetched, considering... You know, I think that if they beat Liverpool, which I think they would do, but then they play Wolves last day, each, all three teams can have the same amount of points and they can go down a goal difference. And if it does do that, then Chelsea won't. Like, if you know, on current this thing, because it's like a 12 goal differential, then Chelsea could actually get out of the Champions League. So it's, it's fairly interesting uh, leading into the last couple of days. Chelsea's literally think...
0: 15, Leicester and United have 28.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um... Do you really think that Liverpool are not going to beat Chelsea or at least get a draw out of this
2: one Chelsea will win. Chelsea will win. Liverpool are drunk. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a Liverpool player, why, why do you care? Like, why do you actually care? You
0: can't get the points record at this point. Chelsea actually beat them earlier in the season, so there's, there's precedent. In the FA
3: Cup? Oh, or? In the Cup, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Also, not
1: I think they should, um, they should give them one back. Didn't Chelsea beat City to hand Liverpool the title? Yep. Yeah, so, you know.
2: The, the only way I can see it is that Liverpool care is if there's like Salah and Mane are going for like... Um, Golden boot? Yeah, which I, and I don't know where Salah is. I know he's above Mane in this, but I don't know how close he is to Vardy. Let just have a look. But other than that, like, I don't think they care. <laughs> to, to be fair,
3: you know, on, on that subject of whether Liverpool care or not, I think they were playing some really good football against Arsenal somehow Arsenal ended up scoring two goals in that game. As, honestly, I've watched the replay so many times, I still don't know how they scored those
1: goals. Well, I mean, that's a good segue. Let's talk about Arsenal because it started with that Liverpool game um, a couple of days ago or almost a week ago where miraculously, I think, kept a clean sheet, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, it
3: was 2-1, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was 2-1. You, Mane was, scored early. Mane scored oh, early okay.
1: and, and as,
0: Mane always scores against Arsenal. And I have to be honest, I feared the worst at that point.
1: Yeah, I think it was miraculous that after that point, in my mind, that's, that shows you how the performance was defensively, that it, it felt like a clean sheet at that point. Like we just, they battered us and we just held um, held tight. And, and that was a bit more of a lucky win, obviously because Liverpool gave us two very easy goals. But you could see that it was something that was in the works. And then in the other FA Cup semi-final, you could see it versus City. Um, that back three of Mustafi, Louise, and Tierney really held the Ford, there with obviously Martinez behind him, who has been having an unbelievable season since he's come in after the break for Leno, who got injured. Um, he's been one of the best keepers in the league, if not the best, over these last whatever five, six games, whatever it is. Uh, another fantastic save this game, following his unreal save versus Liverpool.
2: Wait, which so, is the one that we were, um, Liverpool, Liverpool that, that the, was the one, oh, the shit. Trent, the Trent shot. Like, I yeah. guys, that's honestly my save of the season. Like, it's, it's the stretch, every single as Mohan said, every single inch of his body. Yeah, for that. Every single and ligament. I, and it's not talked about. Like, it's honestly not talked about. I, I can't understand it. Like, are, are, are we making this up? How good it saved that no, one? No, no,
1: I no. Mean, I mean, definitely within the Arsenal fans, it is, it is definitely appreciated. But just in general, his form and even his build-up play to help. Because you see some of, some of the build-up play that Arsenal did in this game versus City. I think the goal, the first goal that we scored, um, Aubameyang's first goal, was an 18-pass move that started with the keeper, played out the back, back to the keeper, into the midfield, et cetera, et cetera. It was such a good, well-played goal. And, you know, you have to give everybody credit, really, in that team. Nobody thought we'd have a chance versus City. Um, Just just the quality on on both sides and and how shaky we are in general defensively and all that, and how much we can give away a goal. And Arteta just has to, you know, get a lot of praise. Alex, I don't know how you felt about this game, but definitely I'm sure you were surprised with the performance and the result. So...
0: Yeah, I mean, it, this was this was a, an incredible result. We're talking about City now, right? Yeah. Um, this really looked, and it, it, it's an easy conclusion to draw, and so I'm hesitant to draw it, but this really looked like one manager who knew the other manager inside out and made a game plan to the T that would that would frustrate the, his opponents. Um, and it's an easy conclusion to draw because obviously Arteta was Pep's assistant, but... Arsenal did everything that frustrated City. Like every little thing down to Ainsley Maitland-Niles playing at left wing back so that he could, so that when Riyad Mahrez cut in on his left, it was on Maitland-Niles' strong foot. Maitland-Niles hasn't played left wing back in months, possibly over a year. Like that wasn't random, right? every little detail was planned and it worked to perfection. And City was so frustrated, um, and it was it was glorious from, from our perspective um, and you know Pep seemed to lose his mind which is always enjoyable. Did you see um,
2: Pep on the sideline like he, to he, one? he turned to an empty chair and he's doing the <laughs> like hand movements as if like, people were like he, Arteta's in his head he thinks he's still here. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think
1: I, it's a real quote when they asked him about you know did Arteta learn all, a lot of this from you and I, I believe it was a real quote when he said I think maybe we learned a little bit from him." Like I think. Arteta, you know, give him a little bit of money, and I think he's going to go to the top. Not with Arsenal; I mean, he'll move in a few years or whatever. But I feel he has the potential if he stays like this to to, to you know really prove himself as a really good manager. Um, it's really up to him to make it happen. But I think he has the ability to make it happen. Whether it does or not is a different story. But he definitely seems to have the mentality for it.
2: Okay, can I yeah. add that? I, I like. Oh, sorry, Vercetti. Go ahead. Oh no, no. Add Add your point, please. I was going to say, I like Arteta, actually, a lot more than I like Lampard. I think, I think he's done more of a job. Of course, it's a shorter amount of time. Um, and I have no reason to like Arsenal, but I, I like Arteta. something about him. I don't know what it is. something about him that I just like. Um, but I will it's say that… he's
0: extremely handsome.
2: It really I, I does have, help. And you know what? Lampard just seems like a prick. And Arteta just seems like a handsome, nice man. Bernie, can I, can you I be tell you actually him.
1: what it is? Can I tell you what it is? I honestly think, and this, you know, and, and this is something that in English football has been a problem in a while, but honestly, I think it's because Arteta just feels like this foreigner that has amazing ideas on how to play football. It just... I think that's all it is. It's just the Spanish dude that wants to play football right. And then when you think of Lampard, you just don't think... You know,
2: I don't even believe that because I really railed against this idea of Arteta should get a job just because he's under Pep. I think a lot of people do this whole, he learned on the Pep, whatever, whatever. And I think it's overrated. I think he has his own ideas as well. Like, I don't think it's, 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 it's this Pep thing all the time. But for me, it's, it's also, if you look at what Arsenal did, it's the same thing that Wolves did to beat City, City twice, same thing that United did to beat them three times, and the same thing City, uh, Chelsea did to win Liverpool the league. They all played the exact same way. So I think it's, yes, he knew what, um, uh, how Pep plays, but everyone already figured this out this season. So like I'm giving him his credit and his props because I think he's a good manager, but I don't think fundamentally the way you played was any different to what other teams have done to beat the City team.
0: Yeah, but we did it with Mustafi, so... <laughs> No,
1: I I, speaking I was, of
3: uh, props. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna really just bandwagon onto the Arteta point over there. I think an interesting point was brought up by Bernie, talking about you know how Lampard maybe, or sorry, Mohamed, how how he might be perceived as an outsider coming in, so he's more intelligent. I was actually gonna say Lampard does have a little bit of that English cricketer arrogance to him, and, and the way he carries himself versus the way Arteta carries himself, and the way that Arteta seems to really care or really put all his passions and his energy into it, whereas Lampard kind of looks like he's, you know, standing on the sidelines, almost smoking out of a pipe if he could. But one thing I really want to point out with this Arsenal team right now, as I've said it on the pod in the last couple of weeks, they actually look like a very good team. If you look at the form table, they're up there in the top three in the league in terms of points gained since Arteta has come in. And their, their losses since the restart have been unfortunate. You know, they lost to City in the league and, you know, they lost to Spurs I I do feel like, you know, they hit rock bottom in this little mini-patch over here when they went 1-0 down to Liverpool because they were coming off that Spurs loss. They don't often lose to Spurs. And then they were being peppered by Liverpool. Honestly, they couldn't get the ball. They went 1-0 down. Could have been ugly. And all of a sudden, you know, characteristic of this Arsenal team, when, when it seems like the night could not be darker, they come and score two goals. They win against Liverpool. What a bounce back. Then they come and completely destroy Man City in the FA Cup um, you know, I think initially there were some chances for Man City, but man, they completely dominated this game. It was very, very impressive. And I think that Arteta may win this cup for Arsenal, which I think is something that we need to start talking about.
1: I think I think either of these managers winning the FA Cup would be very impressive for them, whether it's Arteta in his first, you know, half a season of managerial stint, or Lampard, you know, coming from Derby in the second division and, and um, in the championship and kind of winning, winning a, a title for Chelsea. So either of those two managers winning would actually be a huge feather in their cap for them in their first proper season as manager in the Premier League. But speaking of dominating, speaking of props, David Luiz, man of the match for Arsenal at the back this game. It's crazy kind of, again, Rache talked about Arsenal up and down. I mean, the one person that encapsulates that is David Luiz. You get a game where he's the worst player on the field and then you get a game where he's the best player on the field. And I think the biggest issue with David Luiz is we know the heights he can hit, but the problem is we also know the lows that he can hit. And the consistency has been an issue at Arsenal. And if he can get that consistency out of, kind of sorted out and play how he played this game, um, then, you know, we've got a great player on our hands. It's just the problem is it doesn't seem to happen enough. And when it doesn't, it's obviously very memorable. Um, but the props to him this game. I think he played fantastic. He was just such a beast at the back there.
0: So I, I will, um, we will go to our, our chief David Louis correspondent, uh, Bernie Uche, in a second for his thoughts. But I also wanted to, just while we're talking about players who had a, had a quick renaissance, um, we were blasting Nicola Pepe last week. <laughs> Absolutely blasting him. Um, and he had an excellent game and got the assist for one of Aubameyang's goals. Just, he looked a lot better, a lot more confident.
1: Oh yeah. Forget the assist, but just watching him, he was, he was doing the right things. He was driving, he was keeping possession. He was actually moving forward. He wasn't doing this tippy tappy that we were complaining about last game. I actually like even before the assist way before I was like, you know what? I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing from Pepe today. And it's just, it's really just your decision-making and the style of play that you want to play. If he's direct, he's going to look far better than when he's trying to just, you know, run around with the ball in in a circle. That's, you know, leave that to Sabayos. Right. Who by the way, is playing very well, and I think Arsenal are trying to extend his loan right now. His last couple of games, he's shown, um, and I think he came out in an interview saying, since the Dubai training camp, he's shown that he, you know, he can fit in this team. He can, he can do a good job for us. They're trying to turn it into a loan to buy us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, he's actually quite me. a good
3: player. He's <laughs> such a good player. And yes, don't leave me either. But also, I wanted to quickly uh, just say how unimpressed I am at that Man City lineup. I mean... You know, two seasons ago, they got 100 points or whatever, 100 points and 98 points back to back. But, uh, you know, when I'm seeing names like Gundogan, Mahrez, uh, you know, with the exception of De Bruyne, of course, in their their lineup, I'm not really feeling very threatened by this lineup. I'm actually concerned if they can even, you know, be seriously considered for like a title challenge next season. Maybe they can finish top three for sure. But, you know, are are they actually that dangerous? Because they're actually getting pummeled in these games. You're not concerned by
2: Riyad Mahrez. I think I I think Mahrez is a good. Is obviously like you know we love Mahrez. Like we talked about him, he's great. But I think to Rocher's point, Gundogan hasn't set anyone alight. He's a good option to have, but he doesn't consistently hit the highs. Uh, Stones, you know the defense is garbage. Gabriel Jesus again. We said this last time. We don't care about Gabriel Jesus. And then if the system isn't working, Raheem Sterling isn't working. So like. oh oh my god and I I need to get this out because Mohamed and I were talking the day before the day of the game and Kevin De Bruyne is the best player they have don't care David Silva is a great servant but he's not the best player but Kevin De Bruyne is the best player they have and he played like a complete donkey there was a point in time where he had the ball because he kept trying crossing inshallah this was a game where he just tried it and tried it and props to Luis he repelled it and at one point it was as if De Bruyne was so frustrated he didn't know what to do. He stood and just held the ball for, I, I swear, it felt like 30 seconds. And he just, he looked confused and he was like, okay, he didn't know what to do. And he just crossed it again and it came back again. <laughs> <laughs> what on earth, man? Like, yeah,
1: and, and, and to, your, to your point, guys, like I, I see where Shays came from. If you look at just their defense, we used to worry about only their center backs, right? Because they had the Mendy's and they had the walkers and everything looked fine. Now, Mendy is in a horrendous, run of form and I don't think he's ever going to get it back since that long-term injury that he had recently. Pat Walker doesn't seem to be really up for it in terms of form recently and I don't know if it's ever going to come back. So you've also got two wing backs, and who's your replacement? Cancelo. Um, Zin- Cancelo and Zinchenko and it's just not good enough and then you look at the center backs you know Eric Garcia whatever, Stones whatever, Otamendi whatever, Fernandinho not him. So other than Laporte it's really, like, the, again, he spent, like, what, 500 million on centre-backs prep since he came in. He's going to need another 500 million to, like, kind of get this, get this back line up in, up and, in, um, you know, back into where he wants it to be. And I still, I think it's going to be too much for next season. I don't think he's going to be able to to get it going again next season. I mean, they lost, what, eight or nine games in the league this season? Yeah. Yeah. But, but
3: that's after
0: two years of winning the title. I, and it's and not to excuse, you know, that's too many games. With, with the squad they have, that's too many games. But... Two years of winning the title, like, there's going to be a motivation drop-off to some extent, and, you know, I I kind of understand it. And with the injuries to the defense and what have you. That said, speaking of new
3: targets, uh, it looks like Nathan Ake is coming in. Oh, before we get on Nathan Ake, on that that City, like, you know, motivation factor, it's actually really misleading to see, you know, they've they've lost eight or nine games a season, or drawn so many games, because they've scored 93 goals in the league they're as free scoring as atalanta are in the Serie A. but they've and they've not even conceded that many goals they've conceded maybe like 35 or 36 which is not too bad um they scored 93 they've outscored everybody by about 20 goals at least but how can they
1: be you know i mean they have 75 points not too bad
0: when they win, they score four or five. Yeah, like, there's no they,
1: point in bagging nine against Watford. The point is it's Samaritan, right? Not a sprint. So, like, fine, you're going to beat Watford 9-1, but don't go and lose to whatever, Sheffield 1-0. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't excuse that. And I see what you're saying. Like, They still have their highs. But to win the league, you just need to be consistent. You see what City did, I think, last season from December to the end of the league. Now, that's City, right? That's impressive. But,
2: but, it's, but not just, it's not just that. It's when you actually look at, like, the way that City play, which is having the ball, what, 80% of the time, means that you're not going to score many goals against them. But the actual, art, like, art of defending, like, if you look at what Arsenal did to Man City, Man City cannot do that. <laughs> Man City are not capable of repelling attack after attack of, after attack. They also can- never
0: set out to do it.
2: Well, exactly. But I'm saying they can't, even if they want to. You can't imagine... Uh, Stones, Otamendi, and who Eric Garcia repelling attacks, every time they get countered by teams, like I said, United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Wolves, they didn't even have that many shots. They, were, they went right at these guys, and they concede goals. The fact that they even have the goals that they have is a product of their, their terrible defending. Their third highest, I think it's Sheffield United, Man United, then City, and Leicester. But that Man City's defensive stat is very misleading because of the, all those three defenses, they're the crappiest. Sorry, Alex, I cut you off when you were going on.
0: No, I can't remember what I was going on about. Um, yeah, I mean, they'll, they, they'll spend another shit ton of, of money this summer and, and rebuild the defense, and it'll be very interesting to see what they do. They're, so far, Ake looks done, and uh, they're in for Ferran Torres at, at Valencia, who is uh, a young winger who's very exciting. So I guess that's a Sane replacement, even though they haven't had Sane in the squad for a year. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what they do. From defences that, that cannot stop conceding goals to one that is actually, despite, despite our criticism and despite all our Mourinho hate, um, and we'll talk about the Amazon documentary in a second, uh, Tottenham have stopped conceding goals, pretty much. Uh, after the the diabolical 3-1 loss to Sheffield United, the results have been 1-0 against Everton, 0-0 Bournemouth, 2-1 against Arsenal, 3-1 against Newcastle, 3-0 against Leicester. They're on a run of form. It's not pretty to watch, but it's working. Sounds like
3: a standard Mourinho result. Nothing is pretty, but uh, he's grinding it out and he then goes to the chairman and says he needs money.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I will will say that in this uh, Leicester game... It was a mirror image of uh, Arsenal and City, except the number of goals that were scored on the other side. They you know, this was, that was prime Mourinho ball. Oh, yeah, not care. By the way, sorry, you guys pressed him up high. My bad. I apologize. I wouldn't I should never <laughs> equate you to him. But <laughs> he sat back and said, okay, and hit them on the counter every single time. It was disgusting. I was like, Brendan, change it. My God.
0: It yeah, reminded me of, uh, sorry, Mo. just quickly, you guys remember the when Mourinho was Chelsea manager, Liverpool were about to win or well, close to winning the title. And uh, Mourinho just did exactly the same thing to Brendan Rogers. And like, Rogers apparently has not learned anything in the
1: last few years. Well, that was the game where I remember that, that Chelsea Liverpool game. Wasn't that the Gerard slip? Yeah. Yes. That game? Um, and Mourinho came out and clearly just said, I'm playing a really strong side, even though I don't need to, just because I don't want Liverpool to. <laughs> <laughs> he just said, I'm going to crush And then after the game, when they kept asking him, why would you do that? He's like, what do you mean? I don't want my competitors to win. And obviously, that's, I'm going to do everything I can. Like, it was just personal for Mourinho that game. Um, but yeah, this game, I mean, Leicester, if you're going to beat Leicester, it's going to be now. You've got to capitalize on this horrendous run of form. Brendan Rodgers on the sideline at 3-0, clapping them and trying to give them motivation like Brian. It's a bit late for that. Um, They're also without Ricardo
0: Pereira, Ben Chilwell, Soyuncu, who got suspended the other week. Like, where's Morgan Was playing, man? That's, well, what's ne- that's Morgan? What's
1: good. The, what's, what's that? The back three were horrendous. It was yeah. Red Morgan,
0: um, and okay, Ryan was Bennett. Though. Come on. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, Ryan Bennett. My God. Okay. How much I mean, credit Kane are you not doing, Kane?
0: Him. Kane yeah. dicked him and then scored
1: that, that wonder goal. I mean, that, well, it was, he, he looks back. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they relied on Kane um, to kind of just do the magic, which is kind of how Spurs half-played, half for a, for a long period of time while Cain was there, it's like, yes, you might not play the best game, but you have one of the best strikers in the world, and you're going to rely on him to kind of get you out of a pinch, and he did that today, I think. Two really, really well taken goals, especially that kind of solo goal with the, uh, with the curler in the far corner. That was really well done, especially against, against a good keeper in Michael. I
3: have to say West Morgan's defending for that curler was terrible. He was terribly positioned.
1: It looked well, like he, he tur- jumped out the way. Well, he has the turning radius of like a pickup truck.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking like
2: HMS something or other, pickup truckers. Yeah. H- him and Wes. I-, I wonder him and Maguire, who's a bigger fridge? The, H- the HMS uh, <laughs> Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> Maguire and Wes Brown in the same team would, would have been uh, oh, hilarious. Ooh, uh, but on, on this, like, remember the Leicester form started before. So the fact that it's Bennett and whatever and is not playing, it means nothing. With their first team since January, they've been absolutely rubbish and it's carried on to these, I don't know, squad players, uh, we'll call them. Um, but the fun, the interesting thing about this was, so by losing three nil, the goal difference United and Leicester is exactly the same. This is now the problem for Brendan Rodgers because if Man United get any win over two nil against West Ham, it's pretty tough at that point to get into the top four for Leicester. And that's a predicament that we wouldn't have thought they would have been in because they were fourteen points up, I think, in February on United. United well, we, this back, we, and I, by virtue of playing well, and Leicester just capitulating unbelievably.
1: Well, I think it's worth bringing up the stat that I brought up last week for those that didn't hear it, but since Leicester beat Southampton 9-0, Southampton have gained more points than them. Like, that, that, that just sums it up perfectly. Right? Mm-hmm. It seemed like such a fork in the road where Leicester just are plummeting. They're just in free fall. And like you said, it's not in their hands. Fourth is not in their hands anymore. With a United win, you guys would be three points ahead, which means all you need is a draw. From your final game, who's your final game again? All, Leicester.
2: All, all United would need is a draw and not lose, or even if they did lose to Leicester, not lose by more than two or something like that.
1: Oh, I see. I see. So if you, yeah, if you beat West Ham two 0 like Leicester would have to be It's almost like a, an, a home and away. It's almost like a you know a Champions League game where whatever you score here is the first leg, and the next game is the, is the second leg. Can Insane. I uh,
0: bring up the, the the tweet that we co-crafted the other day? Yes, which is that uh, given United have to play West Ham. The last time David Moyes stood in between Manchester United and Champions League
1: spot was when he was Manchester United manager. <laughs> 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 That's good. But you know what? If What's his name up top for West Ham? If he continues his form, and uh, Antonio, Miguel Antonio, I mean, this might not be the simplest game. I mean, West Ham have actually been a, not a bad run of form. I think they beat uh, Watford 3-1. Maybe, and didn't the he score four Watford goals
2: like, like last week or something?
3: Yeah. Against
1: Aston Villa or something, wasn't it? I think yeah. So. And then he's and then he scored. I think another another one against Watford. Like he's on fire, man. He's just absolutely on fire. But yes, he's, he's on drugs. He's on drugs. This is United's final for the top four. United beat West Ham convincingly.
2: It's over. If if Moyes wants to redeem himself as a manager in this world, he would drop Michael Ant- Antonio. <laughs> don't, <laughs> just don't play him, and then endure yourself. We'll fly a plane over, over London for you. It's all wow. good. But is
1: the- in. Guys, I just want to say that United could easily come third at this point. Like, if you guys win, right, you guys are going to be two points ahead of Chelsea, who then would have to play their game. But
3: they're against game, Liverpool.
2: So, like, you could conceivably come third but, quite easily. And, and Chelsea have to play Wolves, who, if Spurs are still on their heels, Wolves have to, like, actually come out and play because mm-hmm. that's the I think, six is the last Europa League spot. And yes, they play Europa League quarterfinals or whatever it is. But you know Nuno wants to be in Europe consistently and winning Europa League is not a done deal. So it's, this is going to, like, I think we've been saying this for a while, this is going to be a very fun last day. Uh, it, it will be almost as fun as the Arsenal Tottenham food poisoning last lasagna day. Lasagna
0: gate, lasagna like, gate. <laughs> what? That, that Let was, me tell you, I, that, that was not a fun day. It was fun afterwards. My God, <laughs> the stress. <laughs> stress
1: yeah but that was that was fun so um, at the bottom of the table though it's also crazy like I mean Watford right now I've changed their manager for the fourth time this season which is laughable
0: Nigel Pearson back in anyway lads I have to jump off alright All right, Alex Sorry. All right. see you later man
1: love you long time bye. bye bye lads um, so yeah I think I mean Watford are I, I don't know what the idea is of, of, of changing Nigel Pearson at this point but they still have two games to go and at this point, really, it's only Villa that can catch them. Uh, but even Villa, like, you know, they're not going to win the games that they need to win. So Watford should be safe. I think the bottom three should stay the bottom three um, at this point. So,
2: I thought uh, I Nigel Pearson was doing, Watford, like, a good job, all things considered.
1: At, at one point, yes. Since, since, since he took over, I think he, he has done a really good job. It's just, I don't know. It feels like less about results. I mean, knowing Nigel Pearson's history
2: it might be something else, right?
3: <laughs> Didn't they beat Liverpool? They like ended their unbeaten run and everything? Like yeah. 3-0? Yeah.
2: Well, I think his first game, he beat United. He beat Liverpool. He's beaten another big team. I can't remember. He beat some good teams. They, weren't they bottom? They were bottom,
1: right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He saved them from relegation, for sure. I so don't...
2: why get rid of him now? Like, I understand they're playing you? City. Arsenal?
1: City and then, I don't know who it is, but it's City and someone it's City and someone big.
2: I think it's City and Arsenal. And then I just looked at Villa. Villa play Arsenal next, and then they end with West Ham. Now, sure, West Ham could be safe, but Villa-Arsenal is not, like, Arsenal going to win this game. So, like, why are they so nervous? I, I, would say,
1: I would just say that Arsenal would probably put up a very weak lineup with the, with the FA Cup as the next game, especially that we have nothing to play for in the league. Like, we're sitting in 10th. We're not going to make Europa at this point. So, you never know. I mean, I see what you're saying, obviously, like a 90% chance for Arsenal to win that game, but anything can happen if we put a second string side out against Villa, right? Who, are, who would be fighting potentially to stay in the league, especially if Watford lose to City, and then you never know. Um, but anyway, interesting, interesting nonetheless. Um, other notable results, um, Southampton beat Bournemouth 2-0. Southampton have been unreal since the start. Danny Ings and the whole team have just been phenomenal. They're sitting in 12th, you know, same points as Everton. Four points away from Arsenal. Like they're they're playing very very well. They've had a fantastic season, and Hasan Hutel has been a fantastic manager for them since he came in. I think he started his tenure by beating Arsenal, didn't he? I believe. I think it's like his first game or something.
2: I don't remember. I don't remember.
1: Yeah, remember when he did that celebration where he like celebrated and calmed down? That meme. I was against Arsenal. Um, I don't remember that. <laughs> so, um,
2: where he's like he's he's running and he's like, yeah, like yeah, calm down, calm down, yeah. like it's not
1: over yet. Um, so, yeah, I've been really impressed with them. But, you know, we'll see how they do. And um, I, think, I think it's going to be a very exciting last, last two, uh, two fixtures of the season. Yeah, for sure. Uh,
3: interesting other, other results across Europe. I, I don't know if we're done with the Premier League or not. But, yeah, uh, I think so. Real Madrid have won the La Liga. Uh, mm-hmm. So underwhelming overall. I mean, Benzema was on fire the whole season. And I don't think he's getting enough credit still. Um, I mean, know, Paris I, is
1: saying he should win the Ballon d'Or. So
2: Get out of here.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Ramos, I think, was even a bigger influence on that Real Madrid. That I agree resurgence. with. Yeah, he's been incredible for them. As a captain, as a leader, he scored like four or five goals since since the restart. Like, it's been insane. Free kicks, penalties, whatever it is. Um, He's is. He's been really the driving force. And Paris came out and said, listen, we're never going to have bad... Um, Bad relationship with Ramos. He can sign whenever he wants, how for however long he wants. He's the legend of this club. He's the leader of this club. And he can just get whatever he wants. So I think I think that's nice from a club that usually throws people under the bus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, La Liga, unreal turn of events since since the restart. Like Barcelona had this wrapped up according to the points and everything looked fine. And then they just capitulated, man. My God, they couldn't beat, who was it like last week? They lost 2 in the final also sooner or something my god like it's just been a mess messi came out with some scathing comments about the board and the manager and this and that and he's saying you know at this rate we won't even beat napoli in the champions league like they've been horrendous horrendous
2: I, i just want to go go back to Real Madrid quickly because um i was listening to some pundits talk about zidane and they said this is probably the league title that means the most to him, because you know, but for the one that he won before, you could say Galactico, Ronaldo, whoever else, like you know, all these other good players, you can say that. Champions League, you can be like, you don't win three in a row without Ronaldo, Bale, all that jazz, and like he's just managing egos and all this. But this one was tactical. They said the way they, they someone put it was he played like Galactico at Real Madrid, but he managed like a, an Italian uh, manager. It was built on defense and. Sure, people might say VAR and all that stuff, but and Barcelona may not be at their best, but still, to do it this way, like building a functional team, um, very ungalactical, uh, I, that impressed me. Just because you think of him as a flair player, so that that really really impressed me. On the Barcelona side, you know, people are talking about Setien being sacked potentially and Xavi coming in, and if that's the direction they're in, like they're still stupid. <laughs> you know, you can't, yeah. you can't go Setien and then Javi. Uh, like, you need better players. You need better board. You need better management. And, and Messi has to be happy. Like, I don't know how you make Messi happy with nonsense.
1: Oh, my yeah, God. And, and I th- or disaster? And I think, um, I think that being said, just back to Zidane a little bit, I think he's actually underrated. Like, like what Zidane has done, in the last, what, four seasons at Madrid, was it? Right now, or four, like, complete seasons at Madrid with two league titles, three Champions Leagues? Three that he four? won, and one he was assistant manager for. Yeah, so we'll count the three, the two leagues, and just the way they've played, obviously the Club World Cup, et etc. Et like, this is one of the best managerial stretches of all time. Like, to yeah, do it, to I, do it I, with I, that kind of pressure. Oh, I was just going
3: to say, I, I do think, you know, it's been so amazing, but there was, there was a period of time, you know, Zidane kind of like quit Madrid and they brought in Lopetegui. I swear, I swear this was a planned move because everyone knew Lop was crap. And lo
1: and behold, he was. And Zidane came swooping in again.
3: No, right Zidane, what happened,
1: what happened with Shea was that Zidane was not getting his way, as, as usual, where Perez would like, you know, have too much power on the football side of things. And Zidane was just not having it anymore. Zidane's like, look, I've won all these things for you. You want to meddle your stupid fat fingers into this? I'm out. He left. They realized that the grass is not always greener, that they need him back. And then when he came back like a boss and said, you know what? You want me back? Here are my terms. And Perez just completely left the team to him for him to manage, for him to drop bail, for him to do whatever the hell he wants. Because at the time, Perez was forcing him to trade bail. Mm-hmm. Right? He's the galactic, yeah. got a lot of money, et cetera, et cetera. So Zidane said, you know what? I'm not being told what to do. He left he came back he, they pretty much begged him back he signed like a boss and now he's winning the league for him so yeah I think it was the right move for him to not get too swooped into that Madrid kind of way of things working and he's really if anything I think his biggest his biggest accomplishment is setting the club straight like <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. um, playing the players that deserve to play and on merit and stuff not on names and he's been phenomenal like I don't the problem is we, he's a very quiet person. Like, we don't hear a lot from Zidane. His press conferences are not, you know, they're, they're, they're just down to earth. They're regular. There's no fireworks. There's nothing. So you don't hear about him a lot. He just goes about his business. But you have to just stop and think about what he's been able to achieve over the last four years. It's phenomenal. And, and so, to Bernie's point, they
3: only lost three games in the league this season. So defense has definitely improved. And, uh, I mean, in the Champions League against City, away at the Etihad, be interesting to see if they can overturn that two-one home loss.
1: Yeah, it would mm-hmm. be interesting. That, that's that's an uphill battle for sure because you know the minute sh- the minute City score one, it's going to get difficult. But
2: but also, also on that on that particular game, it's you know I don't think they have to. You know what I mean? Like winning the league, as Zidane said, it actually came and said that this is the most important thing to me. And I can imagine after winning, what was it? Only two or Barcelona had won like ten? I don't know how many it was. Something ridiculous like. It's that Liverpool motivation thing we're talking about. Like, do you? How much do you care about? Over- I know they're professionals, but is it really in you? I wouldn't blame them. Is what I'm saying. Like, if if they just didn't turn up for that as eager as they could be.
1: Yeah, right. Um, let's move to Syria. Uh, well, I mean, do you want to touch upon the Valencia fire sale quickly? I mean, just the news that oh yes, Peter Peter Lim is driving that club, that, that club into the ground and they need to sell everybody now to make some money. So there's going to be some, uh, some good players in the market. Um, you know, it should be exciting who could pick up a few. I mean, none of them are going to transform top teams, but they would be really good squad players, really reliable starters. So, you know, it, it could be exciting.
2: Yeah, we, like, for example, if I, if I look at it from a United perspective, we want a sub 10. Like, you know, you can give Bruno a rest. And I think, Gwedish can play wing and kind of that ten, I think. Um, so I, if you could pick him up for twenty-five, thirty, like why not? And Gaia is—I don't think Gaia's on the list, but he's a good left back. If you give him enough money, why not? Like there are some players there that I think could really make a good, like you said, a good squad. And Soler, I've heard good things about him. Um, yeah, there's some good players there. I, I think people From should Dugia, be... If someone
1: really wants a yeah. reliable enough defensive mid, he, he could be is he
2: Is he good? I don't, I don't remember. It's not
1: bad. Even, even even Silicin, if you need a keeper, man. Like, Silicin is reliable. Like, you want Silicin Correa. Like, you can, you know... I mean, nobody should go for Mangala, please. <laughs> Danny Parejo. Danny Parejo is a great player. Kevin Gamero, as a sub-striker, you know, trying to kind of uh, jostle his way into the starting eleven is a great player. Like... Again, maybe not, you know, top, top. We're not talking City coming in here and, and getting players or, or whatever, or Real Madrid. But good enough for a lot of kind of, you know, next-level teams, those third and fourth teams in the leagues. I think I think they're going to... You know who? You know eye who eye. would really love to pick some of their players up? Wolves. Wolverhampton. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really good point.
2: Guedish. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, as many, as
1: many Portuguese-named players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, let's move on to uh, to Serie A uh, it, Your ball it, it, it
2: ended today, didn't it? <laughs> not
1: yet, not yet. But it, it pretty much, pretty yeah, much unofficially it to ended today. Yeah, Ronaldo scoring a brace against Lazio. Um, to be the first player to score thirty plus league goals in the top three leagues—England, Spain, and and, and uh, Italy—he's also the fastest player to ever score fifty goals in Serie A, He did it in sixty games. Wow. So oh. you know. Say, I mean, I'm talking to myself when I say, say what you say. The guy is still putting up numbers.
3: <laughs> yeah, of course, like, you know, we've heard, and I read this in this Zlatan autobiography, actually, that in Serie A, you, you know, you, you go long patches of time without getting a single chance. And then when you get your chance, you have to really make the most of it. And that's what Zlatan learned you know, when he was in the Serie A. So, you know, in La Liga, Ronaldo was probably scoring way more goals, getting way more chances. So good to see him adapt and adjust to the league, he'll always have that over Messi, at least at this point in their, in their career battle, that, you know, he's done it in many other leagues. And uh, right. um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, mean, I still feel
1: like he's getting a lot of penalties. I mean, he definitely is getting a lot of penalties. And his goals, I mean, look, again, he's 33, turning 34. It's fine to say his the, the style of goal has changed. And that's fine. He's not, you know, once in a while, yes, you'll get that banger that Seth Twitter or like. But overall right now, central striker, kind of just putting the ball in the back of the net, being in the, using his brains more than his body, right? Being in the right place in the right time, making the right decisions, scoring those penalties, which, you know, again, we saw Messi go through a patch where he missed every single penalty he takes. So not to take it for granted, right? So I can't believe I'm defending him this much. It's just when it comes to <laughs> respect, I respect Cristiano for what he's doing for sure. I mean, he's got 30 goals now in Italy, tied with Immobile, who also got a penalty this game too, to at the very end tie, at least his, his personal... Um, record there with 30 goals so the last four games are it's pretty much going to be just a top uh, is it pichichi in the syria or is Campo, that, no, no that's a something. Capo the area or something yeah so you know it's going to be a good battle between those two in terms of the the top score and other I, than I just, that yeah
2: i just want to add it was i think immobile was seven goals up before mm. coronavirus or something like this so he's hunted him down um and and, and taken taken over and as you said, he had to change his game. He's an old man. Was he 35, 34, 35? The, which 35. actually Im- impresses me in a different sense because we can say, oh, penalty, tap in, whatever. But, like, we praise Thomas Muller for getting into good spaces and good positions, right? And a 34-year-old being able to do that. Like, we look at Giroud, who's immobile, and he scores 15 goals, and we say, that's amazing. But a 35-year-old scoring 30 goals a season, like, you know, it's... it's I'll give him that. Again, it's a slow league, retirement league. We've said this all the time. So maybe even smart decision making league wise. Oh, for sure. Oh, for but sure. You, that, you don't,
1: that, that, wasn't just a, that wasn't just a lucky roll of the dice. I mean, Ronaldo plans. We know, he, mm-hmm. we know he, when he plans, he looks forward to, yes, he wants to win trophies. And he's like, okay, I will be the first person to win all three top leagues. I'm going to be the first person to be top scorer in all three leagues, blah, blah, blah. He obviously is also looking at this from a personal point of view, which is smart. There's nothing wrong with it. His legacy, is going to be so much more um, supported by this one season winning the league in, in Syria, for sure.
2: Yeah. The, the only also, thing left is the, for them to win the Champions League. If that, but I, I don't think they have a good enough team to do that still. Like, I, I, don't, I don't buy it. But if he did, right, right. I, I, don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't think they're functional enough. I think they, they're relying on... Also, DiBala has been balling out of his mind uh, recently. You can't just rely on Ronaldo and then Debala to do this like, in the Champions League. I don't see it. But if he did manage to do this, the, of course, like, you know, talent messy and stuff, but it only adds to the GOAT conversation. Uh, yeah. like, like it, it adds to it. And to, to be adding to that potentially at 35, you know,
1: props. The problem is, I'll just add, the problem with the GOAT argument as they're both getting older is that as Ronaldo is getting older, he's getting closer to the goal and almost scoring more. As is getting older, he's moving away from the goal and playing more like center mid, number 10, et cetera. So, yes, if you watch football, you understand how good Messi is in that role and those passes he springs and he's just such an intelligent player, et cetera. But for the history books, that's not going to help Messi. As he moves, I, I, again, saying that, Messi just broke, you know, the assist record of all time in La Liga, I think, with 21. He has the goal scoring, you know, he, I think he just, he's top scorer of La Liga still, seventh time record, I think. Um, beating the record as well this season so he definitely still has the numbers i just worry as messi goes into that 34 35 he's going to be moving away from goal and what that's going to do for the the numbers conversation when kids in 20 years look back at the stats you know i want I to ask,
2: ask rashay this um because i think to that point i think part of the problem is in that conversation is that if ronaldo wins a league in syria uh, and his top score it's only positives right at the end of the day you think of positives but you know, Richie, I know your feelings on Barcelona and Setien. Everything is negative. If Messi does all these things that he's doing, it actually doesn't matter because it's, it, it's surrounded by negativity and you're going to associate the season with negativity. Correct. Richie, yeah. you, For, right.
3: Actually, that's an interesting point you bring up because it wouldn't be the first time Messi has been associated or at least surrounded completely by negativity. You've seen the Argentina national team mm-hmm. multiple times with this Messi environment. I'm not so sure if, uh, you know, it's the club or maybe it's Messi. It could be Messi. Rache, you know? Rache,
1: you're you're absolutely right to bring up the Argentina and Bernie. That is an absolutely beautiful point about the negativity because when you look, first of all, the standards that Messi set for himself means that when he has a record-breaking season, people are saying he has a horrendous season. But you look at the numbers, he's top scorer of La Liga, the most through passes, the most creativity, the most assists, blah, blah, blah. People are like, oh, Messi had a bad season. But you're right, the negativity doesn't help. When he won the best player in the World Cup, the negativity around Argentina meant that people were discounting Messi's performances individually. When he got all the way to two cup finals and lost them both on either side of that world cup, the negativity surrounding the whole thing, this meant that his individual performances were put aside. And I think that has been happening with city recently. You know, you lose to Liverpool the way you do, you lose to Roma the way you do, no matter what you do individually, that negativity around the club will still be this cloud over your personal performance. And it's the same as, you know, if Ronaldo had bottled this league to Lazio, no one would care that he's top scorer of the league. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? and, and unfortunately, we try and separate individual performances when it comes to Ballon d'Or, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to team performances. It just never worked. It never worked.
3: To answer the question, I think Mohamed did a very good job at summarizing over there. But yeah, does it add to Messi's cloud or caliber that you know, he's done better when there's so much negativity around? It's actually very hard to say uh, with an exact answer because you don't know how much of it is due to him Uh, you know, fabricating that environment. But at the end of the day, he is the heartbeat of this Barcelona dynasty. You know, for however long he is there, Barcelona will be in his shadow. And, um, you know, you can't discount that.
2: And if you're going to be in the shadow of the greatest player of all time, even if you're having a terrible season, you ride that wave, you know, like with hope and expectation. And if when he retires, even if you start doing better, You don't regret it like that it doesn't make sense the bulls even if they started losing with jordan they would never be like oh my god this sucks get rid of him like exactly it it, it doesn't make sense but you mentioned ballon d'or and but there's not going to be a ballon d'or this year maybe they'll have fifa best because i think they're seeing what uh the people's reactions are and it's not good because there's a lot of conspiracy theorists I, i don't buy into those things but i will say this this was lewandowski's year And I feel bad for Lewandowski because I think he said it before that he wants to win this thing. And this is the year where he is (laughs) undisputed. He's the best forward in the world. (laughs) like He is. And Bayern Munich are such a machine that obviously Champions League still has to happen. Messi could still win the Champions League, for example, and then we don't care about Lewandowski anymore. But
3: But Lewandowski can win as well.
2: Exactly. But I'm saying like if we go with right now, today, and the, the team being positive and potential to win things, Bayern Munich are, are probably the best in Europe right, right to second. And I, it makes me feel bad because, to me, this was going to be Lewandowski's year and he's not even going to get the chance to, to hold the damn thing.
1: I think, yeah. I think Liverpool players have really missed the chance of being in the conversation by getting out so early in the Champions League. I think if Liverpool had the season that they had in the league this season, plus are still in the Champions League with the potential to get far, I think Amane Asala would have been in the conversation for at least the top three but leaving that early does open the door for more of the Bayern Munichs and et cetera. So Lewandowski is a good shout. I don't know if anybody from Madrid deserves it. I don't know. if You don't have know.
2: to put Ramos maybe. People are saying
1: Ramos maybe, but again, once you, once you leave the Ronaldo Messi conversation, it does start to get a bit dull, doesn't it? <laughs>
2: it's, it's very boring at that was, point. Yeah. I know Alex hates it, but for me, it's like, I, I, listen, people know that I'm, on Ronaldo's side but I, I know who the GOAT is I get it but the, the, the rivalry of the two I like rivalries like I, I think we need more of that in football like whether it's Man United-Arsenal back in the day like, which was a real rivalry Messi-Ronaldo we need Titans going up against each other now it's just nonsensical and friendly and I really hate it Right. Right. Jose and Arsene Wenger. <laughs> Arsene oh, Wenger, yeah. Fergie, <laughs> Pep and Jose. We need, we need something to clash. Zoyard. Pep and Klopp. Oh, that's, that's nonsense. They're just hugging each other. Like, no one cares. <laughs> oh, except for Pep going twice, twice. Like, he didn't even yes. yell at Klopp. Like, no, I don't care. Yeah, I I'm actually like, hoping I, I that Solskjaer saying. and Lampard can figure it out and then they can <laughs> fight and then like Arteta's in there like, hey, guys, I'm still here. Like That would be interesting to me. Not, not I, think, I think the
1: young managers coming through the Premier League is going to create a really nice scenario. I think the Solskjaer, Lampard, um, Arteta, and maybe if Gerard ever takes over soon in the next couple of years, I think the young foot- past players, that's going to be a really interesting scenario in the Premier League. I'm looking forward to that for sure.
2: I will say that um, with uh, Socha, Arteta, and Lampard having their own, let me say, relatively decent seasons um, in different ways. If if they, if you know, Lampard gets in, gets third or fourth and wins FA Cup, and Socha gets top four, and or in fact, let me say, remove FA Cup from from Lampard. Let's say he just gets top four. Socha gets top four, and we whatever, and Arteta wins uh, FA Cup. I think it, like you said, I think it allows managers, uh, well, board d- directors, to go. You know what? This former player thing, it's worked for those three. Why shouldn't it and work young.
1: for us? And yeah. young, not just former player, young yeah. former
3: player. But you know what? They can't say. They can't say that it's selling any tickets.
2: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, on that bombshell.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. No. Pretty yeah. cool. I think we covered it. I think that's it. Anything else? Guys? Well, no, just,
3: uh, you know, FPL update. Mohamed is in last place. What a terrible performance this season from Mohamed in the fantasy. <laughs> Bernie has overtaken him. Uh, Alex has made a cameo. Alex has actually been playing very well. He's back up in mid-table. And, of course, I'm number one amongst the Kosh, but number 10 in our Kosh group. And well, you were uh, number one at one
1: point, so you're having a horrendous second half of the season.
3: Yeah, it was terrible. I, I don't know where I went wrong, but, um,
1: but yeah. Over, over-reliance on United players. Uh
3: possibly, <laughs> yes, possibly.
1: <laughs> Anyways, all right, guys. See you all next week. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, see you guys. Take care, Bye. guys.
0: Downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at under the kosh blog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com.